Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another outtake episode from Hobby Hotline on uh, Saturday, the 18th of December. In case you want to check that episode, I certainly recommend that you listen to that unedited, but I just pull off uh, 12 minutes or so of uh, comments that I think my listeners would uh, would enjoy. So this one's about Upper Deck. We got into some marketing issues and then the Mint Collective, which uh, Collectible is uh, is uh, co-sponsoring and Beckett Media has a uh, some kind of involvement with their uh, special $550 coupon. So thanks sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So uh, thanks, Jeremy Lee. Thanks, Jason Dean Martin, uh, fellow panelists on Hobby Hotline. Uh, here's the discussion that we had. Again, uh, uh, hope you're enjoying the hobby as much as I am. Here it is. Good point. Because the Fanatics buys Upper Deck, which Jason Mosher, the president of Upper Deck, on my show not too long ago, shot this down. He said, company is not for sale. But let's, let's go along that this line of discussion anyway. Uh, if Fanatics buys Upper Deck, they have the big four, Exquisite, Fleer, Platinum, Allure, SP, etc. They wouldn't need anything else. Upper Deck by Fanatics. Yeah. There's all the talk about the Michael Jordan contract for autographs, the LeBron James. Would we see those again? I feel like Upper Deck made a conscious decision back 25 years ago under Richard uh, McWilliam to control some goats. And I, I think that turned out good for Upper Deck. But the other companies really haven't done that. And I don't think that's the way Fanatics is going to do it either because they are partners, in, in effect, with the Players Association, which always has to do this tightrope walk between the big stars and the rank-and-file members of the uh, Players Association. Most of the agreements treat everybody the same. But if you've got LeBron and Michael Jordan and some of these guys that are getting outsized payments and deals, then Kevin Durant's going to say, I, I want some of that. Stephen Curry wants, I want some of that. And so it makes it difficult to negotiate within the, the union and the players' associations when you've got some very wealthy, influential players who can dictate terms and then you've got the lesser players, the common players, if you will. So I don't know that's the way Fanatics would want to do it. If they would, then they should buy Upper Deck and get those existing relationships. Because that'd be huge. And they could exploit it better than Upper Deck could, I think. Yeah. This is an industry that's more about marketing now than it is about design. The acclaimed designs in the industry, in many cases, are from decades ago. Okay, now there's some great designs now too, but it's driven by marketing. And I think that's what Fanatic's position is. If they double the marketing budget, does that double the number of collectors? Let's say it increases the number of collectors in a few years to 50% more. And if that's only focused on basketball and football and baseball, do we not think that hockey is going to get a free ride on those marketing efforts? And that Leaf is going to be laughing all the way to the bank with their mixture of eclectic products? Fanatics is a marketing company. They market other people's stuff and do great. They know how to do that. So I think it's good for everybody, except maybe not Tops and Panini. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting hearing that some of the designs that we all love now are old designs. Heritage, Allen and Ginner, those things immediately popped to mind. And he's absolutely right because Heritage is probably the most collected set every year besides the flagship, especially for those set builders. And we're looking at designs that are, what is it, 49 years ago? I forget what the number is, 49 or 51, but it's that nostalgia factor. And I think what he said with the marketing, 
Nostalgia is a big place in marketing, and there's a lot of money with nostalgia because people like buying their childhood 30 years later. Marketing a boring design with a lot of marketing muscle is probably going to be successful. Pitiful marketing with a beautiful design is probably what we had in the late 90s. Fabulous looking inserts and parallels that are now multi-million dollar cards, but clear that did a lot of that stuff went out of business. That's how successful they were. We all know that current wax is where the money is, but when you put a shop in Cooperstown, how much does that change the direction of that shop? They're putting it in Cooperstown, which is essentially selling guys that don't play anymore, which we all know they're in current products at times too. But when you sell Cooperstown to me, that is selling the old. And then how much do you think we'll see cards in the store versus Topps Authentics? The jerseys, hats, autographs, and things like that. Yeah, it's an interesting If I were David Adams, I would have a small store that's very elegant, and very enticing, very friendly. And instead of having a back room, which a lot of card shops have, a back room full of boxes and cases and stuff, they've got their headquarters is an hour and a half away or, or whatever that is. And it could be same day delivery. If you're in Cooperstown, you come in, you see that their showroom. It's a retail, but it's a showroom. And it's and, and they take them online and say, here's all the stuff we have. It's an hour away. Do you want that? We'll have it here this afternoon or tomorrow morning. I think they could have a small store with an amazing footprint because of just in time. So any box that David Adams has, you can get at that Cooperstown store. It, it, it'll be there in a couple hours. We're about to see DoorDash for trading cards, and I love it. Favorite probably already does that, except that you got to trust the drivers. <laughs> if you're going to invest in the stock market, then you do invest if you think there are more tailwinds than headwinds. And same thing with cards and, and memorabilia. And I think most people would agree, moving into the future, we would expect more tailwinds than we would headwinds. That's why all these things about buying the dip it's a dip if you expect that there's a prevailing tailwind coming behind you to pick things up. So anything that Rich is mentioning would wind up being a dip or a blip uh, because I think most of the collectors I talk to, I think are bullish that there are tailwinds with fanatics, with all these things that are happening that people now have formed new habits that they really enjoy. So I'm bullish. Like I said, even if there's a little dip, people are locked and loaded now. If you think there's tailwinds in the stock market, put your money there. No sure things, but I, I, I like the way it's going. And I think Fanatics is in creating a buzz. And uh, I think Panini and Tops are going to be trying their hardest. And again, it's about marketing. They're going to be marketing the heck out of the next couple of years. This is something I've wondered myself. SCA Sports Card says, I don't think we have hit the number of people in the hobby that we're in during the 89 to 93 era. Do we have more collectors today? It depends on how you define collector and how you define hobby. The similarity is there were a lot of people then and they were in and out. They were quasi investors and they weren't quick flippers in some cases. They were long-term flippers that they were buying and holding, thinking that by now, which some of them, some of the products have actually uh, turned out okay. But I, I don't think Fanatics is thinking that. I think Fanatics is thinking whatever that was, 
that's a, a portent of the fact that in, in 2025 and going forward, it's going to leave that junk wax air in the dust. The only reason there was junk wax is because there was mass production and not enough people opening, using, collecting the product. They were putting it away. As long as people are consuming, collecting, enjoying, transacting, that's an active live hobby and it can double. I know Fanatics is thinking that they want to at least double it. It's interesting because people hoarding or sitting on and not opening that product, that's a very popular investment strategy in the hobby right now for people to sit on it's wax. Beyond a point, it's dangerous. It's speculative. Again, if you're bullish on the hobby, then yes, that stuff's going to go up. And Fanatics isn't going to be lower. It's like people think PSA is going to lower their price points to back what it was two or three years, they'd be foolish to go back to the old price points. They've got to be more. Same thing with Fanatics. What, are they going to come in and undercut? Who do they need to undercut? They have a monopoly. They don't need to retrogress their, their SRPs. They need to not go crazy with it, but to really market the value and the fun of the industry and the hobby and move the price points up gently. So I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how, how it goes. The Mint Collective in Las Vegas at the end of January. I will be involved in it. And I do work with Collectible, who is one of the co-producers of the show, along with IMG, taking place at the MGM and in the UFC Apex. Someone said to me last night that the Mint Collective is going to be their first card show. And I wow. said, not... What's that? Wow. Yeah. And I, I said, you know what? It's funny because it's not necessarily going to be your first card show. It's going to be your first... Mint Collective, because this thing is shaping up to be more than just a card show. There will be a card show going on, but they've got 16 signature panel discussions. They've got the the collector's card. They've got the Mint 25 auction, which they partnered with Leland's. 25 lots, each one worth $250,000 plus. They've asked me to actually host that event. I'm really excited about that. But I think this is an evolution of events, not necessarily card shows, because you look. we have other events. We have the Industry Summit, which is a similar type of event that included a card show this year. But the Mint Collective seems to be going even a step further and being less about the industry players driving it like the Industry Summit does and being more about the collector and educating. I applaud them for doing it. I think IMG is not uh, to be trifled with. They're a huge marketing athlete and celebrity endorsement group with a lot of muscle. You're getting an in-person keynote speech from Dana White. That might be worth the price of admission itself. Josh Luber will be speaking, Ken Golden. And there's a whole slew of these panel discussions with several people from the hobby, from collectors to well-known content creators to industry insiders. So... to